Welcome to Lifehouse Church Online. To know more about our senior pastors, head to the Lifehouse website. We hope you enjoy the service. If you're a Kelton fan sitting near a Collingwood fan, or if you're a Collingwood fan sitting next to a Kelton fan, I'm going to ask God to bless the team who's the loudest today in church. All right, someone made the trip up on the V-line from Geelong. Beautiful. But I'm going to ask God. Now, I don't know whether he will give favour to the team that's the loudest, but we're going to make some noise in church. If you're going to the G, today needs to be the loudest you're going to be all day. Amen. Because I'm going to open up the Word. I'm going to share some Scriptures. We're going to talk about Jesus. All right, but it's a big day for Carlton and Collingwood fans. Um, that's going to be fun. We are, like I said, Purpose in the Pain. And um, Pastor Richard preached an incredible message last week. Who remembers the title? It was Pain, Your Honest Friend. Quite a powerful message. And Pastor Richard talked about how um, Dr. Uh, Paul Brand did a lot of work with leprosy. And I think we all think of leprosy as this flesh-eating virus. But really, it was people that couldn't feel pain. So they didn't, they didn't know when they had wounds and cuts and then it got infected. And um, what Pastor Richard really preached into was that God uses our pain to train. Amen. And so we've been continuing this series, and it's quite a, uh, I don't know whether you would say confronting series, but I'm finding it so helpful, and I hope that a lot of you are as well. So we're going to continue that today, which is super exciting. But I want to start by reading a story about a man that is demon-possessed. And um, maybe it's a little bit heavy to start off with, but I really, really believe that God's going to take us on a journey today and help us to get to where we need to. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for this moment. Jesus, in this series... In this moment, God, we are asking that you would transform us, transform our hearts, transform our minds. Father, allow the pain that's, that's in our lives, the future pain, the past pain, God, turn into such beautiful purpose from heaven. Father, allow me to speak today. God, speak through me, mighty God. Speak directly into who we are. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Starting in Luke chapter 8, it says, Then, verse 26, Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he, this is Jesus, stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live even in a house, but in and amongst the tombs. I was going to pause right there. The story goes on for a little bit, but I'm just going to tell you a little bit. This was a man who was in a lot of pain. Can everybody agree right now? He didn't have a home. He didn't have any family. He was chained up. He was outcast. He wasn't loved. He wasn't supported. He wasn't cared for. He had nobody. The Bible even says he would grab stones and rocks and begin to cut himself. He was in so much agony. And the town would just look look at him from afar and, and keep him isolated. Talk about pain. There was no one there for him. And we can see that he's clearly in physical pain, but I think it's pretty clear there was a lot of pain going on inside his heart and inside his mind. And we don't really know how, we don't really know what led him to this place, but there was a place where Jesus met him in his pain. And what we're going to read as we go on is what Jesus can do through our pain. And the point I want to make is that God is attracted to our pain. And I hope that comforts you. And encourages you that God is attracted to it. He's not a God that says, hey, pain is weakness. I don't associate with that. 
because I am sure. He's the God that says he's right there with us in the midst of our pain. Do you believe that this morning? He's attracted to our pain. He draws closer and, and nearer when we are in pain, wanting to do something. The reality is that Jesus crossed the sea just to meet with this man. The Bible tells us that they crossed the sea. He encountered this man. Then they got back in the boat and went back across the sea. That's how much Jesus was attracted to this man's pain. That's how much Jesus wanted to make a difference in this demon-possessed man's life, that he got in a boat. And as you read the story before, it was, it was the disciples, who were, a lot of them were fishermen. The winds and the waves were so crazy, so wild, that they were starting to freak out. Jesus got up, he rebuked the winds. You might have heard this story. He rebuked the waves, and then it was smooth sailing from that. But Jesus put his disciples in danger. Crossing this, this sea just to meet this man where he is. You might say, God, there's a lot of people in the world. Did you really have to go through all that? What I want to tell you is Jesus heard this man crying out for help. He heard the pain. He felt that man's pain and he crossed this sea just, all that effort just to meet this man where he was and help him through his pain. The woman at the well, we'll read it in the Bible. The Bible actually says that Jesus had to go through Samaria to meet this woman. It's another Bible story, and it says he had to go through Samaria to get to where he wanted to go. But if you actually have a look, Jesus did not have to go through Samaria to get to where he needed to go. Amen? What he had to do was he had to meet this woman where she was at. He had. He was attracted to the pain that this woman had, and he met her. He encountered her. He spoke over her life, and her life was changed forever. There was no geographical route that he had to. The only thing he had to do was meet someone in their pain. Amen? Jairus, you might have read the story about Jairus before in the Bible. He, as soon as Jesus gets back, he crosses the lake. He, he meets this man in his pain. He comes back. As soon as he gets back, he probably deserved a bit of a break. He probably deserved, you know, a lunch break or a nine off. He just, you know, we'll read in a moment, but he just transforms his demon-possessed man's life. But straight away, Jairus runs up to him and he says, Jesus, my daughter is sick. You need to help. And without hesitating, Jesus being so attracted to our pain, he just goes with Jairus. And he wants to make a difference. That's exciting to me. That's encouraging to me, knowing that throughout my pain, Jesus is right there with me. On the way to Jairus' house, a woman who'd been struggling with an issue for many, many years grabs him and says, you need to heal me. I'm in pain. He stops. He heals her. Jairus is thinking, what's happening? My daughter. And then Jesus keeps following. There's just so many moments in Scripture where Jesus is sidetracked by pain. But let me rephrase that. I don't believe for one moment it's a sidetrack. It's the very, very purpose Jesus came to this earth knowing that people were in pain, knowing that people needed help, knowing that people needed, you and I needed support to get through this pain that we're going through. This man was cutting himself and crying out for Jesus. And not a hesitation in my mind that Jesus heard his pain and came to be with him. Amen? You know, the Bible says in Psalm 34, verse 17 and 18, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears. And he delivers them out of all their troubles and the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. Some of you here today might be broken heart. I know there's been times in life where I've been broken heart, whether it's relationships, whether it's things you've been dreaming for, whether it's family, whatever it might be. I'm not going to talk about football again today. Pastor Richard talked about the blues breaking hearts week in, week out last week. But there are, there are people, we go through this earth with broken hearts, but the Bible says that that's when God draws near. He doesn't draw away. 
Don't think that, hey, I'm going through some pain. I must have done something wrong. Or God's turning away from me. He's coming nearer than ever, closer than ever, in and amongst our pain. Some of us here today have experienced the pain of death. There's been loved ones in your life that have passed. And the pain is so real. And the pain is, is right there. But we see in the Bible that Jesus wept. He wept when his friend Lazarus had passed. He felt that pain. He experienced that pain. And the good news is that he is there with us. And there's no doubt today that some of you, maybe all of you, there have been moments of pain that have shaken you to your core. Moments that have put you on your knees. Moments that have put you on your back in bed for week after week maybe. Moments that have really shaken you. And you know what? I've had some painful moments in my life. There's been some things that I've had to... to, to to, to push through and keep working through. And I'm not going to sit here for a minute to say, you know, one thing I've learned is that the longer you live, it's likely there's more pain that you've gone through. There's more pain that you've gone through, but then there's more opportunity for Jesus to be with you and for Jesus to comfort you and for Jesus to be with you throughout that whole time. The truth is that when I was younger, and from time to time I've shared a bit of my story of how I came to church, how I came to know Jesus, and you might know it well, you might not know it at all, but, but when I was younger, probably, you know, even... 12 to 16 years old or so. When I was 16, I actually got invited to church for the first time. And that was a, a, that was a significant moment in my life. It really, really changed, changed my life. But the reality is when God found me, I was in a place of pain. My parents had gotten divorced when I was maybe, I don't even know, maybe 10 or 11 or something like that. And I look back on it now like it's, because God's done a work in me. But back then when I really reflect on it, there was a lot of pain going on in my life. There was a lot of pain going in my family's life. And, you know, one day I came home from school and I remember this uh, and my dad was gone. Parents had gotten divorced and, and for some reason dad was gone. And I don't think I saw my dad for the next 10 years, something like that. For the next 10 years. And I remember just, I tried to keep it in and I, and I remember trying to be strong. But when that happens at maybe 11 or 12, it might have even been 30. And I can't remember exactly how old, but there was so much pain going off. I remember one time actually looking at a mate of mine who had a really good dad, and I got angry at him. I got angry at a mate for having a good dad. I remember that clearly to this day, and I don't know why, 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 why God's just impressed that on my heart. I believe it's for good reasons. But I remember to this day looking at a mate who had a good dad and, and, and getting angry at him. It just speaks to the volume of the place that I was at and what God was doing in my life. But I have no doubt in my life that God heard my pain. And God got me to a place where I was able to work through that and God turned that purpose of that pain into purpose. And, you know, the, the, I'm going to share a little bit of the story because there was a family, and I think some of them might be in this room. I know John Takel sitting over here. There was a family who actually reached out. Christian family came to life as reached out to me and my family. And at that point, they might have, you know... Um, they, they, what Lifehouse had done had actually given everyone in the church a $100 voucher to bless someone in their world, whether it was family from school or a sporting club or whatever it looked like. And I know no doubt that the Takel family looked at, at even my mum and, and us and said, hey, this is a woman who's just been divorced, raising two kids on her own now. Um, I don't, you know, don't want to speak into it too much, but maybe looked at me and my brother and said, yeah, this, this, this lady needs help. These two kids are a little bit crazy. <laughs> A little bit hurting, but maybe they saw the pain. And even if they didn't, I know that God did. And for some reason, this family moved all the way to Doreen 
and joined Plenty Valley Christian School for, for I don't know what reason they did that for. And to be honest, the minute I was able to leave Doreen, when I got on enough, I did. And that's nothing against Doreen, and I love Doreen, but why on earth did they move to Doreen? I mean, anyone in Doreen here today? Live in Doreen? Or I just need to know how hard I go on Doreen. Doreen's a lovely place. Lakes, rivers, honey and rocks. It's beautiful. D- delicious place. Gorgeous. But this family moved, moved 40 minutes across town. They started coming to our school and they were able to reach out to us in the midst of our pain and God turned it into so much purpose. I'm here today. I found a relationship with Jesus because someone saw our pain. God saw our pain, reached out, gave us the voucher, which was just a sign of the love of God, invited us to church and then maybe 15, 16 years later, here I am today speaking about what God can do in your life. And I'm not naive enough to think the whole reason they moved down there was just to reach my family and save us. And, 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 but I'll tell you what, whether it was a byproduct or the main product, I'm not sure. There were other reasons, but God tracked me down. And God came after me. And I don't know where I would be or what kind of pain I would still be in. I don't want to walk around looking at great families that have good dads and being angry. That's not the life I want. I'm a dad now. And God has transformed my life. And I want to be an incredible dad, but it's all because God saw the pain. He tracked me down. And now I believe I've got a purpose in life to help other people find hope. Find hope in Jesus. There is pain, but there is purpose. There is pain, but there is Jesus. He feels our pain. He knows our pain. And he is with us through our pain. I promise you that. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise right now. He deserves some praise. So this man is possessed. He's cutting himself. He's, tor- he, he's being tortured. He's torturing himself. He's in so much physical and emotional pain, but he leaves an encounter with Jesus preaching the gospel. I, I think that deserves a few amens around this place. He leaves preaching the gospel. I don't know what Jesus did. The Bible tells us. <laughs> But what Jesus did absolutely transformed his his life. And right now the town is starting to realise, wasn't this the man in excruciating pain? Wasn't this the man that was struck down by pain? Boxed in by pain? Bedridden by, wasn't this the man? How on earth is he now able to live with purpose? Verse 35 says, Then they went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus. And they found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. They were afraid. Now the man whom from the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things that Jesus had done for him. How incredible is that? How incredible. Talk about turning pain into purpose. This man literally went from being possessed to being a preacher. (laughs) Whether that was one hour, 25 minutes, all I know was roughly 15 verses or so that what Jesus can do with our pain is absolutely incredible. Often God's preparation comes packaged as pain. The preparation comes packaged as pain. And we're going to put this up on the screen, but the pain that he was possessed with prepared him for the purpose that God planned for him. Come on, that's powerful. That's going to be up there. Don't give me some praise. If you're going to clap, give God some praise. This is all about Jesus. 
And I worked hard on this alliteration. Are there any English teachers out there that can give me the A plus I never got? Come on, I believe this with all my heart. This is not just a pretty statement, but the pain he was possessed with, it prepared him for the purpose that God had planned. I don't think God created him to be chained and shackled to a tomb. I don't think God created him so that he would keep cutting himself because of the pain. That I don't think God planned for that. But that season of life, as horrifying as it was, prepared him to be able to preach to millions of people. The Bible says the whole town he preached to. And then he says, Jesus, I want to come and follow you. I want to follow you from town to town, watching you, being with you. And Jesus said, you can't come with me. Which is a bit unique because the whole idea of the gospel is to follow Jesus. But he said, stay here. Why? Because everybody had seen the pain he was in. Which had prepared everybody else to believe in Jesus because he was in such a sound mind at the end of it. Does that make sense? Without the pain, he would have had nothing to say. He would have had nothing to share. The power of his message was the pain that he had faced. And while all these people had, had outcast him and, and sent him to the tombs, he was able to, to, to sit at the feet of Jesus. That's a great place to be. Fully clothed, which speaks comforted, whole. And in his sound mind. Come on, we've got to praise God for that. In his sound Mine. And you know what he was able to do? Go back to all the people that had rejected him, that had left him out, that had made him become isolated. Go back and say, hey, look at my scars, but look at me now. Look at what Jesus has done through my pain. And I love this because he's never been more like Jesus than when he was able to point to his scars and say, look what God has done in my life. He's never been more like Jesus then when he was able to point to his scars. I don't know if you remember, but when Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he came to his disciples and what did he do? He showed them the scars. He showed them the scars of the cross. He pointed to them and he said, touch him. And you know what those scars on the cross represented? They represented that Jesus had died, but he rose again so that we could have a relationship with Jesus. And so this man's purpose came to life because of the, uh, what God had prepared him for throughout the pain. Amen. James chapter 1, verse 2, it says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Leave that up there for a moment. This is James, the brother of Jesus. He'd seen him be crucified. He'd seen him being mocked. He'd seen him wear a crown of thorns, a spear in the side. And he'd seen what had happened to his brother. He lived with him. But here he opens up the book of James. He opens up his writings. He opens up his thoughts. What's on James' mind? Consider it pure joy. Brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. That's pretty crazy that he was able to say this and mean it. Now, when Jenna and I, we, we were trying to have a baby and we got pregnant. And I shared this a little bit before, but there was... There was a time when we were trying to have a baby and, and we actually lost two pregnancies back to back within the three or four months. We'd gone through two miscarriages and, and we hadn't had a kid. So this was our first time trying and, and, and we got to the point where we were in a lot of pain. In fact, the first one was the most, most painful. When you're believing and you're excited and there's life growing inside and you hear the heartbeat and, and, and it was an amazing time. And then to have the news that actually our baby wasn't going to continue developing and continue growing, it was devastating. 
Then the second miscarriage we had was soon after that. And we were actually at a conference, a Christian conference. And in that moment, Jenna was, she was miscarrying. And there was a lot of pain there. The second one, to be honest, was just a lot of disappointment. Because <laughs> we, we, we understood that maybe our first pregnancy, for whatever reason, but God, you have a plan. And then the second one, still trying to have a good spirit about it by saying, God, you're, you're in control. God, you're doing something. But disappointment begins to creep in. Amen? Yeah. And can anyone relate to this? Disappointment begins to creep in. And... And thoughts start to creep in like, are we actually going to be able to have kids? Or is there something wrong with this? And you don't really want to talk about it because you don't, it's hard to say, hey, there could be something wrong with me and face your challenge. And so at that point, it was really hard to consider it pure joy. It was really hard. Really hard. And we're not talking about joy, we're talking about pure joy. I don't really know the difference, but that, that little bit of extra James emphasizes here, consider it pure joy. When you go through things, when pain comes your way, when there are scars trying to attach themselves to your life, when you've lost your job, getting excited about that, being happy, being joy-filled about that. Am I right? That's, that's, that's hard. Consider it pure joy. Hey, I've just lost my job, which means we might lose our house, which means we might have to downsize or figure it out. The, the James is saying consider it pure joy when you go through things. I've just been given a bad diagnosis. It's hard to celebrate that. It's hard to be positive about that. Maybe everything that you've been believing for, dreaming about, planning for, preparing for starts to go south. And all the hard work you've put in, it doesn't work out. I know people that have lost children. One of the hardest things I believe someone could ever, ever go through. My auntie actually went through it. She lost her son, my cousin, when he was 21 years old. Dropped dead like that. It was devastating. The Bible saying is, guys, consider it pure joy when you go through things like this. And like I said before, there are many of you that have been through things that I haven't, that I might not even be able to comprehend. And I'm not saying it's easy, and I'm not saying it's in a moment, but what I'm saying is trust Jesus because He is right there in that moment with you. He is right there in that moment with you. James 1 verse 3 says, continuing on, it says, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. He says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, and lacking nothing. I'm going to ask you a question. Is there anybody in this place, show of hands, who wants to lack nothing in life? Do you want God to prepare you? Do you want God to grow you? Do you want God to develop your spirit so you've got a strong spirit? So that when the winds and the waves come, nothing can actually shake you. Nothing can move you to the point where you're going to give up on life and give up on faith. We just, in these moments, have to find joy. And you know why I think James could do it? In fact, you know why I think James could write this? Because not only did he see Jesus go to the cross, but three days later, he saw him rise again. He saw him rise again. And you know what that means is that, hey, James went through the pain. Not as much pain as Jesus, but he went through the pain. But he is able to say, hey, even though I don't get it and I don't like it, and he saw his mother crying, weeping at the foot of the cross, he was able to say, God is going to make something good out of this pain. Give God some praise. I remember one of the days where I first preached about and opened up about the journey of our miscarriages. There were three, four, five people that came after me that honestly I'd never met. People that were probably coming in late, sitting in the back, leaving early, 
you, you know, people that, that I'd never met, I never saw, and there's nothing wrong with that, but they came up to me with tears in their eyes and saying, thank you for sharing what you guys went through. Thank you so much because the same thing happened to me and I've told nobody. Me and my husband, we haven't been able to open up about it. We haven't been able to talk about it. And they come up to me and I'm a total stranger, but they're telling me their story. And in that moment, I'm just realizing there's more and more purpose to what we went through every single day. Men were coming up to me and saying, how, what have you guys done? Help me because my wife's struggling and there's, we've got mental battles going on. And I was just able to talk and share about what God had done in us through that pain. Even for my wife, going through that, a lot of you know Jenna and love her and, and she changed. Something in her changed that day for the good. God just put this extra bit of maturity in her, that extra bit of lacking nothing in her that I believe has been a massive, massive difference. People just reaching out to her, her being able to share stories with other people and, and even people that had gone through the same thing, being able to comfort her. I remember times, there'd be times where, you know, um, we had a phone call 3 a.m. in the morning one time when someone was going through something and Jenna was just able to pick up the phone and, and do whatever little she could to comfort and help and support. And right now, looking back, we've got a beautiful two-year-old daughter that has a lot of energy and runs around a lot and um, doesn't just want to read one book at bedtime, wants to read eight books at bedtime. But, but there's so much beauty in it right now. In the moment, there was so much pain. But we look back now and we see what God did in us and did through us. And we're grateful for the plan and the purpose that God has, has for us. Hebrews chapter 12. Everybody say Hebrews. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Keep that up there for me. It says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. How on earth is enduring the cross joy set before him? Does that make sense? The cross wasn't a joyful moment. It wasn't a fun moment. It wasn't a moment where celebration. There was pain. There was pain in Jesus' life, but he knew what enduring the cross was going to do. And so he was able to find joy in the pain. He was able to find joy before the pain. He was able to find joy during the pain, knowing what dying on the... Is there anyone here today who knows what dying on the cross did? It set you free from your shame, from your bondage, and from your pain. Jesus dying on the cross and rising again sent the enemy packing from your life. When the enemy wanted you shackled with your sin and the enemy wanted to hold you accountable for your wrongdoings, Jesus going to the cross, he was able to go with joy knowing that you'd be set free, that you'd be forgiven, that you had, would have been made whole. This is not a message where Jesus is saying, hey, I never went through anything, but I'm still telling you to go through things with joy. Jesus went through it filled with joy. And there are times where he struggled and he, and he, and he questioned, but man, he endured the cross. He went to the cross for you and I so that we could be set free. And this is where I'd love the band to come. And I want to talk about the cross for a moment. And I just talked about my wife. She's incredible. And there are many things that I love about my wife. And when I was, you know, dating and getting married, there were so many things I loved about her. Her beauty, her laughter, her, her, uh, um, her joyful spirit, her MCC membership. Many, 
many things I loved about her, but she brought a great thing into our marriage and it was the fact that she used olive oil everywhere. Any Italians? Olive oil everywhere. Chicken schnitzels. Cutaletta. Just call it chicken schnitzels, yeah? We're in Australia. Let's call it chicken snitty sandwiches. Salads. Don't use the olive oil. Use the extra virgin. You've got to use the extra virgin. Where does the extra virgin part come from? I've never understood that. It's just all the same to me. It looks the same color. Did it behave as a teenager? I don't know. It's just, it's all the same to me. Just, just use it. Cereal. Run out of milk? Just put a bit of olive oil. Body soap? Just a bit of olive oil. Hair? Hair? Just a bit of olive oil. It all figures itself out. She loves it. Italians love it. But the anointing oil of Jesus is where I sit. Can't cook with it. Can't use it. But I tell you, you can wash in it. He'll cleanse you with it. He'll make you whole with it, the anointing oil of God. And you know what oil represents? It represents God's presence in your life. It represents God's presence in your life. It represents the favour and blessing of God in your life. And when Jesus was in His most pain, that's where He found His highest purpose. We've still got one more week of this series, but that almost wraps it up. When Jesus was in His most pain, He found His highest purpose. And it's the same for you and I. It is the same for you and I. You know how they make olive oil? They crush olives. And I read, I'm no expert, but I read that an olive can be crushed up to three times to extract oil. To extract the presence of God. To extract God's presence in your life. Luke 22, we're going Moments before the cross here. The Bible says that Jesus, He knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is Your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but Yours be done. And then an angel appeared to Him from heaven, strengthening Him. And being in agony, He prayed more earnestly. In other words, God, if there is another way that You can save mankind, if there is another way that You can take away people's shame, if there is any other way You can free people from their sin, but not my will, Your will, God. If it's the only way, I'm going to go to the cross. So He comes and He prays. He kneels down and He prays. God, if there's any other way, but if not, I'll do it. And then He goes back to His disciples. By the way, this is in the Garden of Gethsemane, which is called the Mount of Olives. And he goes back to his disciples and they're asleep. They're meant to be praying. He's in his most agony. He goes through, they're they're praying, they're asleep. And then he comes back to Jesus. uh, He comes back to God a second time. And he says, God, if you can take away the cross. He didn't want to take it away. He still wanted us free. But if there was any other way, he comes back, he gets crushed again goes back to His disciples. They're sleeping. They're meant to be praying. They're meant to be here for Him. He's crushed again. And then He goes back to God a third time. A third time. Anything significant about a third day, a third time. He goes back to God and He says, God, if there is any other way. Not for one moment did did God take away the pain. Not for one moment did He hesitate about the cross. God knew this is what needed to be done. And so three times Jesus came and He was crushed. 
He was crushed. He was pressed. In agony, the Bible says, he prayed more earnestly. And I'll tell you what, you know what that was producing in his life? It was producing the strength to be able to go to the cross, to fulfill his highest purpose, his deepest purpose, his greatest purpose. That moment where he was in his highest pain was his highest purpose. Amen. And so it was crushed time and time again. But you know what it produced? It produced that oil. It produced that determination. It produced God's presence in his life. And every time you feel like you're getting crushed, you need to know every time you're going through pain, every time you feel like you're being surrounded by nothing but disappointment and pain and trial and struggle, you need to know it's the same as Jesus being pressed and crushed. But all it did was produce the presence of God in His life. It just produced the anointing oil. It just produced the the passion and the power and the determination to be able to go to the cross. I'd love it if we could stand to our feet. Three times Jesus went. Three times He was crushed. Three times God was able to strengthen Him. Amen. That's so powerful. We're going to sing in a moment. I'm going to share one more scripture, but I believe that our Saviour, He is everything we need. Not only did He die for us, but He's there for us. Not only is He he with us in our pain and help us through our pain and turn our pain into purpose, but He experienced our pain. If you know much about the cross, but when He was on there, He felt the pain of the world. Your pain, my pain, my shame, your shame. He felt it all. And come on, the band's gonna, they're up here with me, but I wanna read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. And it says this, it says that we, this is us, this is you and me. It says that we are hard pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. It says we are perplexed, but we are not in despair. It says we are persecuted, but not forsaken. It says we are struck down, but we are not destroyed. And I'll tell you why I believe that is because Jesus was crushed. He was destroyed. He was in despair. He was broken for you and I. So now we don't have to be crushed. The pain doesn't crush us. It keeps us going. It strengthens us. And so come on, we're going to sing, that's the power of your name. And what I want us to think is that's the power of the pain really. The pain that Jesus took on the cross allows us to not be crushed, amen. So come on, right now, just raise your hands across this place. If you're grateful for what Jesus did on the cross, if you're grateful for what He did on the cross. Hi, I'm Richard Kabakian, pastor of Lifehouse Church. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now. And if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au.
We look forward to hearing from you.